Wywiad specjalny Orła FM prowadzi George Matlock. I'm George Matlock. You're listening to Orla FM, Anglo-Polish Radio. The Second World War ended on the 14th of August 1945. Poland handed to the Soviet Union's sphere of influence, Germany's and Japan's ambitions of expansion disintegrated. But what if the victorious British Prime Minister Winston Churchill had decided that that wasn't good enough? Poland would be free again and the Soviets would see British, Polish and German, yes German troops crossing its borders in 1945. That's the subject of a new book which is about to be published, Operation Unthinkable. Here to tell us more about the book is its author, historian Jonathan Walker. Hello and welcome, Jonathan. Hello. Right, well, I hope I've described the, the, the background to the book uh, faithfully. Uh, in your own words, uh, this is a pretty amazing story. Um, tell us more about it. Well, it first came to light in the uh, 1970s. Records of the British Chiefs of Staff were deposited in the National Archives. And there were minutes uh, from 1945 with exclusions. They put um, withdrawn, maps withdrawn, details withdrawn, and so forth. So this kept historians guessing for some years. Then in the 1990s, suddenly um, with uh, the, the, the powers that be deposited the plans for something called Operation Unthinkable, which really surprised everybody. And this was Churchill's plan for a preemptive strike on the Soviet Empire, right as the war was finishing. And it was really born out of Churchill's fear of, of um, Stalin's designs on Europe. Remember that the, in the closing months of the war, um, it all seemed uh, buttoned up, but Stalin had conquered Eastern Europe. The Americans were looking uh, out to the Pacific to finish the war with Japan, and Churchill was really concerned that Europe was going to be left naked, and that something had to be done about it, and he put together this plan which was going to be a strike before Stalin could move westwards and threaten Britain. He was also really concerned that Stalin had reneged on everything that was agreed at Yalta over Poland, and, Ch and Churchill had uh, many, many regrets about the fact that Poland had, um, in some eyes, been betrayed to, to Stalin. Mm. So, so he wanted to to, to pull back and, and, and capture, recapture, and liberate Poland. Now, I've been to Poland, obviously, and on many occasions, and I've spoken to a number of historians and, and various other people. I have to say, I was once uh, treated, if that's the right word, to a very unguarded comment by a tour guide at the Auschwitz concentration camp. Uh, and this was a, a Polish person who described uh, Churchill as a missed opportunity and I asked this tour guide what exactly do you mean and they said well he was getting reports during the war about what was happening at uh, at Auschwitz and had decided that there were more important objectives than to bomb the rail tracks that were obviously bringing uh, enormous numbers of people into Auschwitz for segregation and essentially for extermination. And um, uh, so, so to many people, uh, Churchill in Poland is not seen as somebody who was very much on their side or, or at least somebody who missed opportunities. 
this book seems to see him much more as a as a hero, really, uh, in, in in trying to champion Poland's freedom. How wouldn't you say? Yes, I mean he had a lot of affection for the the Poles. He found uh, some of their leaders and commanders at times exasperating, but the Poles were were, were trapped in an impossible position. Um, I mean, just talking about your interesting point about the the Holocaust, Churchill um, became aware eventually, but. You have to remember that the, these reports were coming in to the Foreign Office um, in, in, in quite regular order from the Polish resistance, the Home Army. Mm. And this was happening in 1942, 3, 4. And there was a complete lack of belief and understanding that anything such as this could be taking place in Poland. So the, the fact that, that, that a lot of these reports never got through to um, Churchill has to be has to be taken on board. He throughout the war had a great regard for the Poles, but he found himself swaying backwards and forwards, um, you know, helping their cause and having to sacrifice them. Of course, he wasn't helped by the U.S. position, which um, towards the end of the war really wanted to accommodate Stalin because they were looking for Stalin's help out in the Far East against Japan, and. Um, they, they, they were not keen to upset Stalin in any way. So at the end of the, uh, towards the end of the war, um, certainly after Yalta and, and uh, at Potsdam, Churchill is seen by the U.S. as something of a fly in the ointment. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, now he, he has this idea then, to almost to sort of restore his position with the Poles, this Operation Unthinkable. And is that actually what it was? Was that the working name for this operation, for this exercise? That, that was the, the working name of the um, operation. It was devised by the planners, and the, the subtitle was rather alarmingly called um, The Object is to Impose Our Will on the Soviet Empire. So what exactly were the objectives? Explain to us. Um, it was to obviously um, restore, I hope, um, sovereign, free sovereignty to Poland. But what exactly were the ambitions with regards to Moscow? Well, the, the, the plan was really divided into two. It was to, this massive offensive, um, including um, U.S., British, Polish, and German forces. On the 1st of July, it was going to strike through East Germany, the Soviet-occupied area, and into Poland. Mm-hmm. We were going to rely on our superiority in the Baltic to launch amphibious attacks along the Polish coast. And there were going to be two main uh, land-based thrusts through the western part of Poland. The top um, offensive was going to go through on the sort of axis, Leipzig, Poznan, and Wrocław. And there'd be another uh, line um, lower, lower down as well, and they would link up. And the, and the object was to reach a line somewhere about running down from um, Gdansk down to Wrocław. The point was that uh, there would be a big armoured clash just beyond, perhaps, east of the Oder, in which it was hoped Stalin's um, forces would be decisively beaten. It would bring him back to the conference table, and a, um, a new deal could be arranged over Poland and some of the other eastern countries. The nightmare scenario was that if the Russians played the game that they played with Hitler of drawing forces in, by the winter of 1945, if the Allies hadn't defeated um, the Red Army, they'd have been drawn further and further in, winter would have come down, and um, 
it, it would have been a complete nightmare. So what might have happened? Because I know, you, you, as you detail in your book, uh, Soviet forces were very much uh, concentrated in the southern part of the country, of uh, southern Poland, uh, and this major sort of offensive would start at, in, in the north from the Baltic. So um, uh, had, it, had it played out and had the winter caught up, would... Um, you know, would the British have suffered the same um, the same fate that uh, once von Paulus, on Hitler's instructions, and, and indeed Napoleon before him, had suffered himself themselves? Indeed, and in some follow-up correspondence, you see see some of the British commanders uh, referring to these um, earlier disastrous campaigns. I mean, the big concern for the um, Allies would have been their southern flank below Poland, the Czech flank, because that was absolutely solid with the Red Army. And the local Czech army was believed to be very much um, on Stalin's side. And the fear was that if we'd gone in too fast, too quickly through Poland, that flank uh, would have turned and we would have been um, ambushed, if you like, from, from, from the south and cut off. Does your book and, and indeed your tracing of uh, a scenario, if you like, of what could have happened had this been carried through, uh, have, you, have you managed to sort of identify areas that would have been sort of flattened, devastated, um, much the same way as we know about Warsaw in 44? Um, have you managed to sort of get an idea of what might have been the, the consequence for the country in restoring its own freedom so quickly? Well, of course, you have to remember that Poland itself um, was destroyed um, in, in many urban areas, and the Allies would have been passed, uh, passing through um, scenes of not only social unrest but massive refugees, mm. and destroyed cities and towns with very few, um, you know, logistical um, advantages. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, now, of course, as we know, history tells that it never actually happened. So, so what went wrong? Why didn't Operation Unthinkable become thinkable? Well, the, in, in June, the plan is presented to Churchill, having devised by the joint planners and the chiefs of staff. And their conclusions and their advice to Churchill is not to go ahead with this. Um, they fear for all the, all the strategic and tactical problems that this would entail. Don't go ahead with it. Churchill, at that point, said, OK, if we don't have a preemptive strike against Stalin... What can we do to defend ourselves if Stalin pushes through into the low countries to France, Spain? How would we defend ourselves? And he then says to his chiefs, he goes back to them and says, look, I want you now to draw up defensive plans for, for our protection because this is a very real threat. Mm. Shortly afterwards, of course, the atomic bomb um, is tested during the Potsdam Conference. And this gives Churchill renewed hope that you know, if, if, um, even if we can't do um, a land offensive, if we've now got the atomic bomb, um, we've got Stalin on the back foot. Overlaying all this, of course, is the British general election. And on the uh, 25th of July, he's at Potsdam, returns to England, gets the results, and he's out of office. And therefore, the plan is put in the uh, bottom drawer. So is, is his successor, the Labour Prime Minister, Clement Attlee, not in favour, or was he never briefed on this idea? He was briefed uh, vaguely, but not specifically on this plan. But I think from the um, relevant documentary evidence, we can deduce that, that his Foreign Secretary, Bevin, might have been persuaded about some sort of plan, but Attlee uh, certainly not.
Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, uh, of course, a few years later, uh, Joseph Stalin himself had uh, the atomic bomb. So, of course, uh, I suppose that pretty much closed and froze over this uh, ambition uh, for once and for all. Um, but it's a fascinating story and um, obviously one that uh, you, you've explored in, in your book. Can I ask why particularly you chose to look at this element of, of World War II? Well, because I, I've, uh, my previous book, Poland Alone, looked at... Um, the help or lack of help that Britain gave Poland and especially the Polish resistance during the war. And I was keen to take this through into the period right at the end of the war. Um, it's a fascinating period, not least because, of course, inside Poland, you've got huge friction between the, the pro-Soviet um, politicians and military and the pro-Western. And there's all the, the issues of the, the government in exile being betrayed and the, uh, the new... Um, Soviet-backed government, the old Lublin Committee, that's recognized by the Western powers. So you've got all these huge frictions going on inside Poland, and it's a part of history. These, these, these uh, months during 1945 to early 46 are not often covered in, in, in histories about the, the end of the war. Okay. And just uh, finally, if I may, may ask you... Um, uh, I presume that uh, although the uh, the details about this operation that started to emerge here in Britain in the 1970s, I'm sure sure this it, it, at the time must have gathered a bit of interest. But I'm I'm also equally sure that in uh, Soviet-controlled uh, you know Comic-Con countries like Poland was in the 1970s, this story was never told. I'm I'm sure that they would have done everything to discourage anyone knowing that Churchill had plans to free Poland. Indeed, and I mean there's there's, there's also the the fascinating um, angle as how much did Stalin know about this plan? Um, the, the spies Philby Burgess and McLean, of course, worked in very sensitive areas, mm. and we do know that there were there were spies within the American State Department. So mm. a good deal of this information would have been passed through to Stalin. So he may well have known about it. He may well have known certainly the outline of it, but um, as I say, you'll you'll have to look into the details of the plan, which is all in, in, in the book, to see the, the finer, finer points of how this would have panned out. Okay, well, fantastic. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Jonathan Walker, uh, you're the, uh, the author of this uh, book called The Operation Unthinkable, and it's uh, published uh, on the 1st of October this year by the History Press. Anything else you can tell us about the book? Well, I, well, I would say it's, it's, a great, it's a great read. It's a what-if story, but um, there are just fascinating angles, especially from the Polish side. And is it available as an e-book by any chance, electronic book? Yes, it will be, and it, it, it'll, it'll also be published in Polish. Oh, right. Okay, fantastic. Okay, lovely. Well, I'm sure to be downloading my version of the e-book. Right. Uh, I, like I like to save on storage, like so many of our <laughs> avid readers. But thank you very much again for joining us, and we wish you success with the book. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye.